Hello, Erica. Hello, Stephen. We have watched another two episodes of The Wheel in Space, one of which has moving pictures. And the other of which did not. No, we didn't... uh, there were there are some sensor clips that exist, but we're not included in this official recon. Oh. Yeah, mm. that's too bad. I know. I don't know why they they don't. It'd be neat to see them in in context and such. But uh, but the one where Bill um, gets electrified at the communications thing uh-huh. is actually a two second sensor clip from Australia. From Australia, <laughs> home of Leo Ryan. Really, home of Leo Ryan. I was uh, it, in a morbid twist of fate. Uh, I was reading an article today about um, uh, Jonestown, the Jonestown, you know, Jonestown massacre, massacre of uh, 1978, where Congressman Leo Ryan um, was killed um, during that. And I thought, well, he actually doesn't look dis- I I knew his name was Leo. And then I thought he doesn't actually look dissimilar to Congressman Leo Ryan. And then I looked at the credits thinking, his name is also Leo Ryan. What? That is a very strange coincidence. Wow. Weird. I still I still do continue to like Leo and Tanya. Like when they get their scenes together, it's like all of a sudden it's an old fashioned like soap opera. Like I feel like I'm watching as the world turns from the, you know, the days like right after it switched from radio to television. Right. Or something. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. How did it feel uh, seeing them in action, like actual moving picture action? That was great. It was really, I mean, honestly, it didn't look terribly different than I think what I, like my brain expected it to based mm-hmm. on the reconstruction. So it just, I mean, it kind of makes me feel more sanguine about reconstructions in general because like it, it's great to see moving pictures. It's fun to see Zoe doing her thing. Um, but it really wasn't a rough switch back to reconstruction for the next episode because it all just, I don't know, just felt of a piece. Mm, yeah, I think so too. Um, uh, doc- the doctor's back in episode yes. three too. Yeah, the doctor. Oh, although I have to do say that was one of the moments that, that bothered me. So now that the doctor is back, we can no longer call Dr. Corwin doctor or something <laughs> because it's confusing. I'm just guessing that is sort of like the, the doylist reason that the doctor refers to her as miss. And then she says, Mrs. And I'm yelling at the screen doctor <laughs> the the appropriate honorific for this woman is doctor as they have been saying through all of the other episodes but now suddenly that because she's in the same room with the doctor are they afraid kids are going to get confused or something i feel like it's I, I just got really annoyed by the fact that she suddenly couldn't be a doctor all of a sudden it feels it does feel like a doorless thing that perhaps yeah. it, that might have been worked out in rehearsal perhaps too thinking ah who's doctor which way uh, let's change it and mm. Yeah. Back in 1968, you could do that without offending anyone. It's like, oh, we'll just call you Mrs. or Gemma from now on. But sure. And then everyone moved on. Yeah. Speaking of that sort of thing, not only Chang a character in yellow face with a with an accent and uh but he gets killed first it's just like oh no after bill uh tells him to go off and check the uh, stocks for beryllium and then adds chop chop he says (gasps) deliberately oh i didn't even notice that oh no oh you made it worse bill bill's a weird guy yeah see you were like lamenting his death but he is a weirdo isn't he (laughs) he is i mean i like the uh he's very sort of just avuncular and like just he's he's a weird space guy Uh, yes i'm putting the word space in front of it like i i only realized halfway through episode four 
that he had named the bug, like the, the Cybermat, he had uh. named it after himself because he kept <laughs> calling it Billy Bug. His name is Bill. I'm like, really? You found a new creature. Well, I guess I'm, that's what you do. You know, you discover a star, you get to name it after yourself. Yeah. You you discover or cure a disease, you get to name it after yourself. Like, that's just a thing that happens or that you're the first person to have it. Like, so yeah, so he named the, the Cybermat as a bug after himself. He's a weirdo. <laughs> like he seemed to have friends. Like people say, "Oh, yeah. I'm glad to see you back again, uh, Bill." He's, yeah, he's a likable guy. Yeah. Like weird and likable are not mutually exclusive. So, like I just think like maybe he like names him Billy Boy so that he has a f- Billy Bug so that he has a friend. <laughs> I don't know. Just, uh, just I mean, or maybe Billy is an Australian term that like you put in front of something to mean I don't know like maybe it's just sort of a, a slangy sort of a thing I'm, I don't know I'm, I'm reaching is he Australian I lose track of everyone's fake accent in this apart from Chang oddly enough but yeah or is it or maybe Leo is the one that's Australian and I'm getting mixed up I don't know there's a lot of there's a lot of of accents and I'm not sure what they're all supposed to be yeah. I didn't even realize when we watched the first few episodes that Donald Sumter is also doing some sort of a, is it supposed to be a Spanish accent? I would think Spanish or Enrico seems to be a yeah. Spanish name yeah Generic, Yeah. anyway just he also looks like he may be browned up a little bit because he looks real tan so anyway yeah thinking about Donald Sumter's future appearances in Doctor Who thinking yeah it's probably yeah, sometimes Doctor Who's 1968 shows, and uh, <laughs> this is this is one of those instances, I think. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's. <laughs> I feel like maybe this isn't a story that I would be clamoring to return to the you know archives. Like, I mean, I would be very very happy if it did reappear, but like if I if I was if I had my choice, it wouldn't <laughs> this wouldn't be at the top of the list because no. you know what I don't I don't I don't need to see that. No, just because of the uh, the yeah. <laughs> the political stuff that is sort of aged very badly. That very badly. Yeah. Yep, and also because like I mean it's it's an interesting enough story. It's fine. Right. Um, it's no fury from the deep, but no. uh, but you know it's all right. It's I'm I'm just I'm finding Jarvis really annoying. Just really. Why why would you put somebody like that in charge? I mean, that just that doesn't make any sense. It, in any kind of position of authority to put somebody who can't think outside the box in any way, who can't handle circumstances that are different from what they are led to expect, like that's just that doesn't make any sense. Like I'm even thinking about like just, you know, management positions in in business and in government and stuff. Like you don't generally you don't pr- promote the uh the people who can't who can't adapt or at least you shouldn't 2018 has subverted all those expectations <laughs> okay, okay. <laughs> good point touche yeah it's merely tell it's merely a look into the future mm-hmm. when people like jarvis are like yeah sure he seems pretty uh zany and wild and <laughs> prone to uh explosions and stuff and sure let's make him uh, and he can only be overruled by like central command, so no one on the actual wheel can like overrule him or anything like that. That seems weird. Like usually, you have the the doctor 
um, not our doctor, but doctor, someone like Dr. Corin, whoever is the, the chief medical officer on a facility or in a ship or something like that in, in science fiction or, or even in, in just, you know, historical fiction, the, the doctor has the power to relieve the commander of duty if they have, you know, sort of gone off the deep end. And yeah. there's been no indication that Dr. Corwin has any power of that sort. She, she specifically says she can't countermand any of his orders. So... Uh-huh. It's not not a great way to run a wheel. No, no. I I wonder. This is W three. I think there's at least what five or six more wheels. I wonder how they're uh, operated. <laughs> are we are we seeing the the dysfunctional one? Maybe the Cybermen saw it too. They get ah, there's our target right there. Mm-hmm. They are basically the Russians in this 2016 election. That is W three. <laughs> That's our vulnerable point. Our way in, and they took it. Wow, wow! Yeah, what? like like all, all the other wheels we sent Cybermats across, and they like they squashed them. They put like <laughs> they they fumigated the place with raid, and they killed them all. Or is oh, we'll just get the oh look, he's calling him a Billy Boy. This is perfect. He <laughs> hides them in the closet with all the Bernalium, which is exactly what we're looking to destroy. That's superb. Yeah. Wow, I guess that was good planning on the uh, the Cybermen's. Uh, part yep. there okay now tell me why did their voices change between episodes three and four because in episode three and in previous that we had them talking with the same kind of sound that we had back in the moon base and you know it's it's a little hard to understand but i liked it and then suddenly we get the uh into the reconstruction and they just sound like science fiction robot guys yep well, the the cyber brain, I think, who's giving them orders, still had the same moon base sound. Um, then they had a different voice for episode three, um, and then the literally the the system they were trying out broke. Which which system <laughs> for the Cybermen? I don't know how they made them, but they they obviously they were doing the voices differently for this. But the 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 system from episodes like one, two, and three, or the system from episode four broke? I think the system from, well, there's two, in in episode three, when we first finally see the Cybermen, there's the cyber brain or cyber control or whatever he's on the screen. He's using the same uh, voice that we heard in Moonbase and Tomb, right? Yep. Yes. Yes. Mm -hmm. And then the the Cybermen are actually speaking differently. They're speaking slightly differently. And then by the time we, we hear them again at the very end of episode three, I think... Because that's when the the whatever oh. electronic system breaks. So so we've now had three different cyber voices in this story, um, because all, there were the Simon were fraught with problems. I, I I don't know if you noticed, but but it's a new costume design. Um, they discarded the ones from the moon base and tomb and wanted to make new ones, but they proved to be expensive and troublesome. That's why, I don't know if you've noticed this yet, there are never more than two Cybermen yeah. in a shot because there are only two Cybermen now. There were nine mm-hmm. or maybe even 11 in the moon base. Mm-hmm. And they, they kept the same helmets and drill, drill, drilled an now um, iconic little teardrop yes. mm-hmm. um, things in their eyes, which they brought back in the new series. But yeah, so this uh, so they were expensive and they were an expensive failure. And that was one of the reasons why Tristan Vericol, who did that nice transition shot from the Doctor to the Cyberhead in Episode 3, uh, despite that uh, everything went over budget a little bit. And that's why he was never asked back. So this is why this is his only outing in Doctor Who. 
That's too bad. Was it his idea to totally revamp the Cybermen and not use the previous suits? I think it was, yeah. Okay, well, then I guess it's fair enough to not want to back. If you've already got like 11 suits lying around, why not use them? Right. And they're, and they're great. Tristan. Yeah, Tristan. <laughs> uh, speaking of suits, I had to mention this because I, I noticed them in the reconstruction. Then I realized that the shots in the reconstruction for like episode two were actually from episode three. But the spacesuits worn by the two astronauts, like, that come across and are eventually took over by the Cybermen. Mm -hmm. uh, we've seen them before in the Tenth Planet. Uh, the the uh, astronaut guy in the in the rocket ship in the Tenth Planet. Yeah. I remember you. I Bluey. Yeah. And, <laughs> okay. And, uh, and Earl Cameron playing the other one, and those were I think from an episode of I can't think of the name right now. It might have been not out oh, of the uh, Pathfinders in Space. I think it was. Um, those are those get reused mm -hmm. so often. To the point where, of course, um, the yellow one, the lighter colored one, which is yellow with the white thing, is seen in uh, as Bosk in Empire Strikes Back. And actually, the dark colored one is seen on an astronaut in the cantina scene in Star Wars. And I think we see these. Uh, I think this is not the last time we see these um, space outfits either. So, yeah, they they do the rounds in, in Britain over the next 10 to 15 years. Wow. Where did they end up? Are they still somewhere? Are they in a museum? Does a collector own them? Do you know? I genuinely don't know what has happened to them. You think that anything to do with Star Wars has probably like been sold off and auctions and stuff. So maybe they are out there, but I don't know. It wasn't especially made for Star Wars, so maybe they didn't think too highly of it. I'm not too sure. Yeah. Interesting. Mm -hmm. uh, let's talk about Zoe, because I like Zoe. Sure, let's do it. What do you want to say about her? Uh, I, really, I, I really like the sort of the little bit of development that we're getting for her. Mm -hmm. um, did did audiences at the time know that she was going to be the new companion? Yes. Um, in fact, there was a weird, bizarre photo shoot that involved... I remember seeing the empty chair next to the bed that the doctor spends literally an episode a half and a half in. Mm -hmm. Notice he never actually gets up out of the bed in yeah. episode three. Um and I've I, there's a one of the photos is like of producer Peter Bryant like giving her a foot rub while she's sitting in that chair, mm. 1968. Mm. And there's another one when uh, Wendy Padbury in her costume is running around outside in front of a burning wreckage of a building. What this is this this was how they launched companions back in those days. So yes, there was a big uh, a big press launch for the new sexy Doctor Who girl. Look at her having her foot rubbed by the producer. Look as she cavorts around this burning building. It's a strange time. Did they did they burn a building down for this shoot or did that just happen? I you know I'd love <laughs> to know the origin of it because it's like like how do you that's. You can't afford cyber costumes, but you can afford to burn a building. I don't know. If they thought, oh, perfect, a burning building. Let's do a photo shoot for this futuristic space age companion. So strange. Wow. Yeah. Um, well, hey, maybe if we run into Wendy Padbury at Chicago TARDIS, which you always seem to ride up and down the elevator yeah. with her, uh, you can ask her about that. I think someone did. I think someone, I can't remember now. It's mm -hmm. not ringing a bell. Anyway, I, I've cut you off. You want to talk about Zoe. Yeah, I just, I, I do feel like even if you didn't know for sure, like ahead of time, if it hadn't been announced, mm -hmm. that it does sort of feel like there's already a bond between uh, her and Jamie, as you kind yeah. of mentioned on our, our last podcast episode. But also she's just being focused on 
in in a way that I mean I suppose Leo and Tanya also get their own kind of focus, but mm-hmm. that's <laughs> but that's more for expositiony reasons. Whereas Zoe is being focused on for herself, you know, she's getting getting called a, a robot and more brain than heart or whatever. Yeah, and uh, and yeah, I like that she's concerned about that. You know, she's she's asking Doctor Corwin, you know. It, she's talking about it and she's she's saying you know I, I don't want to be like that and I'm like that is emotion that's emotion right there girl you're gonna mm-hmm. be fine <laughs> I don't want to be thought of as a freak she says <laughs> yeah well uh, 1968 actually that's, that's still the kind of thing somebody would say yeah. but um but I, I I just appreciate that she is concerned about her own development and it's interesting how Dr. Corwin just like is thinking about her training and just flat out calls it brainwashing like wow Mm-hmm. Yeah, Gemma Corwin is. Um, I like her. <laughs> I love her. I loved her from the. I didn't actually mention it, but the, mm-hmm. from when she very first appears, she's got like her her accent, her voice, her demeanor, the way she carries herself. She's just like she's a woman who is in charge of you know not the entire station, but she might as well be. Yeah. Um, and she knows what she's doing, and she's confident, and she's open minded, and she is intelligent and i just i really i like her a lot and i feel like like part of me is like i wonder what it would have been like if she would have traveled with the, with the doctor Ooh. instead of zoe but i that wouldn't have worked she needs to be someplace where she's like in charge yeah. basically and that would not be the tardis especially with this tardis team good golly mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah um hey there's cybermats too did we talk about the, the, the without they've they removed the little dots on their eyes to make them less endearing um <laughs> that's literally why they did that because they thought they were kind of cute in two of the cybermen so they oh, take yeah. them off and now they shoot lasers and kill that poor guy who's like doing the most wonderful bit of overacting as he's sort of fighting off these <laughs> things on film yeah oh that was great i think they're still endearing mm-hmm. i think they're still cute enough looking that bill yeah. named one after himself mm-hmm. uh but yeah they are a little bit less adorbs without the without the little little people um but i still i still like them i still think they're cute and and creepy at the same time because like when they're moving in their little tail the segmented tail kind of like whips around it's Mm -hmm. like whoa that's yeah that's a little a little disturbing yeah um i think we also were like taken slightly back at what we think were probably um images created for the telesnap reconstruction like of the scene where they're loading the cybermen into the crate and then putting beryllium things on or brinalium uh things on top of it i think those are specifically created for this recon because there probably no telesnaps exist of that yeah also for the scene where um chang i think isn't yeah, it yep yeah chang's uh, death scene where he's he's looking under the false bottom and uh, looking at the brinalium rods in the in the box and stuff in the in the cargo bay um, but it was like it was good I, yeah. I i appreciated too that like all of those ones that looked like they were sort of mocked up were not like straight on glamour shots they looked like the kind of <laughs> random positioning yeah. that you would get from a telesnap yeah. so it really it really just flowed very nicely so if you have not yet seen this uh, uh reconstruction i recommend seeking it out if you can because it's uh, it's pretty good yeah. although there was <laughs> one error okay uh, <laughs> in in episode four where so they've got these lovely lovely little uh, explanations of the action on the screen so you get text on the screen telling you what's going on that you wouldn't be able to tell just by the audio and uh but there's uh and there's a description of bill um as raising a spanner and he's about to smash it into the control display whatever that um 
bit of text explaining that appears like three or four minutes before it happens. And I was like, why is nobody reacting to Bill raising the spanner? Like nobody's saying anything. And then it just like goes away and people continue on. And I'm like, oh, that was weird. And then and then we finally get to the point where Bill actually enters the control room and that same text appears on the screen again a second time so it was just a mistake but it was oh, a mistake weird. that confused me as a viewer i didn't see i totally missed that so that's not the captions because we were watching with the captions on that was the actual description dialogue yep yeah in the slightly larger font so yep it's just uh just a mistake i totally mm-hmm. missed that mm-hmm. well i guess i wasn't paying attention yeah. copy editor right here that's true you are very good at your job yeah <laughs> you you spotted a couple things like that but um any anything else about these two episodes that you want to talk about at all? Um, I like the what's the plastic in the spray bottle stuff called? Quick plastic quick setting, quick setting, quick set plastic. Yep, I just I just like that, uh, and the idea that it was um, like you, it looks like they frosted a cybermat. Yeah. It's like a cybermat cake, and here's here's a frosting. Yeah. Um, it just I thought it was funny that it was like then they can't cut through it so then they have to use the x-ray which was another lovely little bit of character yeah. development like you know Zoe is you know all logic and what's the, the line that you like so much from the doctor uh, logic only um, oh crap I'm gonna forget it Lo- <laughs> logic only enables us to be wrong with authority <laughs> yeah. yep that was that was lovely and then Zoe's comment that well at least you Jamie at least you didn't think of the x-ray that would have been awful <laughs> yeah she's totally coming along with him when the story is over 100 yeah. percent yeah I don't actually know when the um the publicity happened for this like it was probably leading up to it or or like uh, the week before possible I'm sure after it was announced that Debbie Watling was leaving because we're still in the middle of a season here. This isn't exactly at the end of a season. So, you know, there's 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 only a, a certain amount of time you have to sort of promote and then, you know, the departure of one person and, and the arrival of the next. But I think it was, yeah, people sort of knew beforehand. Like I said, she wasn't in, in episode one, so I don't know if they had it before episode one or perhaps they had it before episode two. I'm not too sure. I can't remember. Hmm. Interesting. Well, it's just, it's it's fun watching her sort of develop. She's not just a librarian, she's an astrophysicist. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, fun stuff. Yeah. Fun 1960s Doctor Who, um, where it wants to be uh, futuristic and all, all the peoples of the world are <laughs> working together in this wheel in space, but they're not so quite advanced as to actually cast the people who look like them in speaking roles. We see some people of color in the yep. background, but they're all extras. Yep. Instead, we have people painted up to look Chinese and Spanish. Yep. Yeah, we had uh, we had a woman of color even, and uh, yep. yep. And I was hoping like she would say something, and she didn't. And neither did neither did the uh, they had uh, one black fellow who came in and was helping with the um, yeah. with the laser for a bit and I was like oh who's this guy and they don't introduce him or anything he doesn't even get a name it's sad no you know what um there there was I'm not going to get into the controversy of talents of Wang Chang when we get to it but there was a whole blow up on Twitter mm-hmm. a while back and I think it was Richard Bignall who too said that I think in 1977 there were only a hundred or so uh, actors of Asian origin in equity, equity being the actors' union, which the BBC are required to cast from. That they don't, they can't, don't have the ability really to go outside of equity to cast actors. That's why, um, 
I'm just trying to think like why some actors couldn't be in Doctor Who. Some actors who want like for instance Nicola Bryant when she appears didn't have an equity card, and so I had to like do like cabaret or something like that. Might that might be just to get into not necessarily Doctor Who, but a certain other acting role. So you had to be in equity, and so your options about casting are limited to that essentially and so if you don't have the and you know it's like well they could have chosen any one of those 101 actors well there might have not been suitable there might have been too old too young not available not interested you know you whittle it down that perhaps this also affects the casting decisions that are made around this time but the director perhaps thought well we can at least make it look a little more multinational and we can put people who aren't speaking in there who don't have to be in equity and we can at least sort of fill out the cast that way a little bit that could have been part of it I'm guessing at this point but Mm -hmm. well I mean if if that was the reason for casting more people of color as as extras um, then good on them for at least getting people on screen Mm -hmm. Uh, but yeah that I'm still just shaking shaking my head I know it's not good but you know and further to your um you know, comment about maybe we don't need to see this one back again. I disagree. I think it should be. I want Marco Polo to come back, uh, partly because it's a story that I think we enjoy, but also the entire cast is essentially playing Chinese people, and it's a window into what the world was like, and covering it up and literally erasing history <laughs> is just as dangerous i think so no that is true Mm -hmm. of course that's not why it was erased it was just erased it was just erased unlike you know all the banned like um disney films and stuff that are you know all those ones that have been swept under the song of the south and all that you know yep yeah i saw that in college my professor found like had a print of it that he accessed somehow so we got to watch it i was like wow and i had seen it as a kid but it hadn't really um come home to me Mm -hmm. exactly what it was at that time so it was it, that was a, a a great experience for uh, history of animation. That was the class mm-hmm. that I saw that for. So so yeah, you make a point that that kind of stuff coming back. Like everybody wants Marco Polo back just because they think it's great. I don't. Uh, it's fine. <laughs> I know. <laughs> mm. It must be seven fewer episodes that are missing. That'd be great, wouldn't it? That's true. Yeah. That would be like I. I'll watch it for Pink Cho. Yeah. Mm-hmm. R.I.P. Zena Merton. She died recently. Yeah, I know. That's yeah. sad. But she was great. But she wasn't in Wheel in Space, which will continue uh, the next time. Hopefully um, in the next few days, because life gets busy for us uh, towards the last half of November. So I hope we can finish off at least the Wheel in Space and season five. Holy crap. um, Before we go crazy and like go to Chicago Tardis, which we're going to be at in a couple weeks too. I am not getting my hopes up for getting anything finished in time because every time we say, oh, I hope we can at least finish off this story before we do whatever, then it's like two and a half months in between <laughs> when we can watch it again. So if it happens, great, but I'm not going to count on it. I know. Mm-hmm. Well, Monday is a holiday Monday mm-hmm. with Remembrance Day That's here true. in Canada and we usually are hell bound <laughs> to record something on holidays. Of course, you're already recording Verity because you're reviewing next episode of Doctor Who on that day but maybe we can somewhere along squeeze in a couple episodes the Verity recording's not until later in the afternoon we could probably we could probably do some lazy Doctor Who early on and we've got how many two more episodes left of this one of them's moving pictures too okay well it's possibly doable no promises no promises at all but uh when it happens where will we find that Erica (laughs) on the incomparable network (laughs) goodbye goodbye (laughs) 